Hey pals, hey friends, hey acquaintances of my heart. Welcome to the Boy Howdy Podcast. I'm Annie. I'm Bill. I have a cold, so this will be a really good high-energy podcast. Yeah, we're sick and old today, because Annie's sick and I'm 40, so we're all dying right here. It's, it's, Bill's it's a- the big... For oh, Bill, how was your birthday? My birthday was super fucking cool. In fact, actually, I'm trying to take off the Back to the Future wristwatch that uh, Daniel uh, got me for for the birthday. Uh, that was really fun last night. Um, so really last good. night, I invited a bunch of people, including Annie and Foley, out to a uh, Chinese restaurant here in Portland called Pure Spice. And so we had a bunch of Chinese food. Did you manage to? Did you get a chance to eat much? I did, yeah. I had a little bit of, little bit of a couple of things. Yeah, you you put up a good fight too, because you showed up, and I didn't realize you were sick until like you had been there for about an hour, and then I turned around like right towards the end, and you were just suddenly like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm mostly over this cold, but yeah. um, uh, yeah. There's uh, my brain gives out after about an hour. Yeah. So this podcast will be super good. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. We'll try to make this quick, but yeah. Birthday, uh, a whole bunch of cool people showed up. I got super cool gifts. Uh, Annie got me a uh, Lego minifigure display st- uh, stand that kind of looks like a big Lego brick, but it has like clear little insets where you can put like a dozen uh, Lego minifigures inside. And on top of that, uh, to break in the display case, Annie made Lego minifigures of me and her. Uh, complete with Annie with a bandana and we, me with a neck beard is fucking great. <laughs> it's not intended to be a neck beard, dude. It's just a beard. Well, it's just a beard that only just sit, literally it sits on the neck. <laughs> Bill, it's, if you don't like that beard, I can take it back because no, it's a rare part. I, I think found a neck beard is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and like uh, front of the podcast, Katie, she made me like a Star Trek Next Generation cross stitch, like little pixel art versions of all the characters. And all kinds of stuff, like Jimmy and Conley, they got me, like, a little glass Totoro with, like, some Japanese posters of Star Wars and Back to the Future, and just all kinds of, like, man, it was fucking fun. Yeah, Back to the Future, wow. And, uh, 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 Leland got me Darth Vader, uh, Hot Wheels, and, a, a <laughs> Lego Baby Adat Walker, and his, and we had cake. We came back, oh yeah, that's right, you missed the fun part of the night. The yeah, Chinese I was restaurant. Say, tell me about your cake, my friend. Oh, so you never actually got to see the cake. No, you sent a picture of something that I assumed was not your actual cake. Did I never tell you what the actual cake was supposed to be? No, you told me to come and see it. <laughs> and okay, so I the actual cake was, was um, I got an ice cream cake from Baskin Robbins, which I felt a little bad because uh, Dylan usually makes my birthday cake every year. Actually, I think this may be the first time in about a decade Dylan and Katie didn't make my birthday cake. Uh, just because people were busy and stuff like that. So I was like, well, <coughs> instead of making my own birthday cake, yeah, I'll just, I haven't had like a Baskin Robbins ice cream cake since I was like 10. And so I thought, oh, what the hell? I'm 40. I might as well like be a total baby about it again this year. And so I picked up a, uh, a Star Wars Darth Vader uh, ice cream cake from Baskin Robbins, which is great because it's like an expensive cake. It's like $35. And yeah, we, we picked it up and it's super tiny. <laughs> I forgot that like this is for children. And so when they say it feeds eight to twelve people, they're saying it feeds eight to twelve eight year olds. Um yep. so we picked up some extra ice cream and stuff on top of that and it actually turned out to be it's I I, I I thought the ice cream cake was just a big block of ice cream in the shape of a cake. I didn't realize there's actually I uh, there's is cake, a bed of cake with ice cream on top. Yep. 
and I usually don't get peanut butter and chocolate stuff on my birthday because I know people with nut allergies. I don't want to make them dead. But then I was like, man, I'm turning 40. I'm going to indulge. So I did get like yeah. peanut butter and chocolate ice cream on top of the, like chocolate cake with like this blue frosting for the Darth Vader thing. So I guess it's supposed to be Darth Vader's head floating in space. And the Darth Vader's head is actually this plastic electronic thing that has a switch on it. When you turn it on, he starts breathing and talking. So you could bring out the cake and he's all... And he's like floating on this blue star field, which the frosting, whoever ate it, totally dyed the inside of their mouth super blue. Like the point where your teeth are just like... Uh, Dylan pointed out, we all look like the... um the the opera alien from the fifth element when she gets shot because like we're all like uh, all the blue all mouth goo it's a little we're like blue froth on our lips we look like mad yeah. dogs except we're just dying with blue blood in our mouths and so have you had blue poo that's the real you know what real. i just checked and not me but we were making that joke last night everyone's got to check the toilet the next morning to see what happened then granted maybe i have a slow metas- metabolism maybe when i poop after the podcast who knows? <laughs> uh, so no that was fun and then we 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 actually just spent most of the night just talking and then daniel's wife kelsey was like oh i heard there might be some magic mic and I'm like, yeah, we we do have some Magic Mike. We don't have to watch Magic Mike, but it is available. And she's like, you got to put that shit on. And I was like, well, <laughs> well we're talking. I don't want to interrupt. And she's like, just put it on. It's a good screensaver. And I was like, okay, so I put it on silent mode. And so the first half hour played, and it's like everyone started calling down. The more Tanning Tatum kept on dancing. And then the last two-thirds of the movie, we just actually just watched the movie. Yeah, and it's we a very watchable movie. Time. The, I think the only person who tuned, tuned out was, uh, it was Joshin. He kind of got up and left at whenever anyone wasn't dancing, because he well, he also just had work to do. But everyone yeah. had a fucking... Everyone was cracking up and laughing. Like, everyone was like, okay, this is actually a good fucking movie. And I was like, yeah, it's a good fucking movie. And yeah. Daniel's wife, Kelsey, who's like... She's a huge fan of that movie. She's like the target audience for that. She doesn't even enjoy it. Like, she she digs that movie. So she's like providing commentary and stuff like that. It was a good fucking time. And everyone's like, yeah, it's it's it was a good time. Have I'm a good birthday. Um, yeah, I'm sorry we had to miss out, but I went home and went to bed immediately. <laughs> no, like I said, you did not have to like excuse yourself or anything because, like I said, you turned around. I turned around and you were just like, "Brr." You were like, "Yep." Do you ever see the movie AI? Yes. <laughs> There's this scene where the kid he eats a bunch of spinach, and he gets uh-huh. sick from the spinach. It like gets gums up his inner works, and his face goes "Brr." That's essentially what you looked like last night. Right at the very end. You put up a good front, uh, front, but yeah, it was comfortable. I'm trying. Yeah. Aw. So what'd you <laughs> yeah, do my this poor week? Wife, my poor wife got it, and then my poor cat Bailey got it, and then yeah. I got it. How do you... I didn't think cats could get cold from people. They do, my friend. She was all sniffly and sneezy, and it yeah, was pretty pathetic for a while there. Your cats are not outdoor cats, so you know it, the, nope. your cat had to get it from somebody in the house or something. Yeah, I am the only plague vector. Okay. Sorry anyway, for no. this uh, audio experience, fellas. Also, well, at the same time, there's a lot of <laughs> clicking because I'm trying, just trying to figure out how to uh, take my Back to the Future flux capacitor watch off, and I just finally figured that out, so I'm going to set that aside. So hopefully there should uh, at least be well, less clitter clacking. I'm really glad you... I'm glad you had a good birthday, my friend. You're a good dude, and you deserve a good one. Oh, thank you so much, man. What a birthday. It was a good... It was super low-key. Uh, that was the nice thing about going to Pure Spice last night, because it wasn't like a fancy dinner. I mean, it was a super cheap Chinese... Well, I don't know. That wasn't... Su- the dim sum at the Chinese restaurant is cheap, but the actual meals are like, you know, like 10 bucks a piece, which is not expensive, but that's about as much as you expect. We do get a lot of food. Uh, we have a lot of leftovers in the fridge. Did you take any leftovers home? No. Oh, okay. I'm uh, I'm fully getting over food poisoning, and I'm getting over a cold, so exci- like food with flavor doesn't sound really good. Oh, man, it was so good. I had beef chow fun for breakfast. 
that's a good way to start that like the morning after uh birthday oh yeah so what else we're getting we- started we're getting started late today because foley and i went out and had beignets this morning so oh what's beignet it's like a it's basically like a um uh uh louisiana donut okay because i know they're like a pastry thing i couldn't remember if they're like filled with stuff or what they're super light like and fluffy, croissant. and they're covered with powdered sugar, and then you usually, like, they served it with, like, a lemon curd sort oh, that of thing. That sounds pretty good. Well, at least you're well enough to go out for beignets. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was the first word my wife said when she woke up this morning, so I was like, okay, we're going to get ben- ben- you bet some beignets. It was like suddenly the only word she did know was beignets. Beignets. <laughs> exactly. We need some beignets. Uh, well, yeah. happy birthday, my friend, Bill. Did anything else exciting happen this week? Oh, man. This is the other thing. So uh, the one person who I invited to dinner last night couldn't make it was Mike Russell because he's had a whole bunch of stuff going on. Uh, Mike Russell, he's a friend of the podcast. He's been – well, he, he is part of the Star Wars guest podcast that I sometimes occasionally host. Uh, he's a local cartoonist, and he writes for the local newspaper, The Oregonian and stuff. And he's had a rough go of it lately. He's uh, had, had a lot of personal stuff. He had a pet die recently and things like that and a lot of crazy work stuff. And so he had a, he, he had already arranged to uh, – I think he and his wife were heading out to the coast for the weekend, so they missed dinner last night. And by sheer accident, though, he didn't mean this to be kind of like an early birthday gift, but um, have you heard about the, how the Hollywood Theater here in Portland – they have secret movie screenings. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. So I guess if you're a member of the Hollywood Theater, uh, you essentially give them like I think it's a minimum of like thirty bucks a year. Uh, you automatically get invites to secret screenings that they have. Uh, what all they do is they send out an email saying, "Hey, we're having a secret screening like tomorrow night." They don't tell you what it is. You don't find out until they start the movie what it is. Uh, so they were having, I guess it's, it had been a little while since they had one, but they decided to have one on, I think it was like Friday night. And, uh, so Mike was like this, he was like, well, it's been a while since the Hollywood theaters had a secret screening and it's only two weeks before, um, Star Wars comes out and the new Tarantino movie comes out and the Hollywood theater, it's the only theater in town with this, uh, that, that can do 70 millimeter projection stuff. And so he was like, there's a, we were kind of like, well, there's a slim chance this could be the hateful eight. Um, cause th- they just started showing the hateful eight in other cities for, for, uh, preview stuff. So, and it was like, well, if it's not that, it may be star Wars. Cause they may be just like, you know, you know, star Wars coming out, new star Wars coming out in two weeks. And so we decided to go check it out and he invited me to come along and it turned out to be the empire strikes back, which was fucking still maybe not as the like crazy as seeing like a new Tarantino movie two weeks in advance, but it was still fucking awesome. I don't know, a 35mm print of Empire sounds pretty damn good. It was, a couple people were bummed because it was only the special edition, but the special edition... Oh, was it the special edition? I thought I, I talked to someone else who went, who claimed it wasn't. No, it was totally the special edition. Oh, Great. There's not many changes made to the, to the, to Empire Strikes Back compared to uh, the other Star Wars movies, but there were still a couple changes. There was... Um, but the nice thing about that actually was it was worth it to see the special edition just for the sound. Um, the, my only other experience here in Portland with an old, uh, old timey theater having modern sound system is the Baghdad, which is only about 10 blocks away from where I live. And yeah, that's an old, it's pretty much the same vintage as the Hollywood theater was the Hollywood theater. You know, it's kind of like 19 midnight, mid to late 1920s pre sound era, um, silent film theater that, you know, just happened to survive for the last 90 years. And, you know, just recently upgraded to, uh, you know, modern sound and all that stuff. And the Baghdad, um, 
because it's like an old silent movie theater that has like a modern sound system in it, the modern sound system necessarily doesn't sound that good because it's not like, there's no like sound dampening or anything like that. They haven't like modernized the inside of the theater for modern sound. So it can be, the sound in there can be kind of muddled and be, be a little bit difficult to hear, even though it's super loud. The Hollywood though, you can see they have built speakers into every surface in that room and they've got the baffling so the sound like sinks in and it's not like echoing and reverbing all the place and that that may have been one of the, the loudest movies i've ever heard they cranked the sound up on that thing like a motherfucker and so for the star wars special editions not only did they you know add new special effects to those movies uh they also created like you know 5.1 surround mix for those movies and so between that and the really great sound system at the hollywood uh, and this is also the first time I've ever actually seen a movie in the main auditorium at the Hollywood. Uh, oh, the, really? Yeah, which is funny because the Hollywood, you know, it's it's an old-timey theater that they show. It's usually classic movies or new art films and stuff like that. It speaks to my taste in movies that even at this art film theater, uh, the only movies I've ever seen there have been so limited in in uh, appeal that it's always been in the two tiny theaters upstairs <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I've, only been, I've only been to like the upstairs theaters like twice i normally am in the main theater yeah this so uh, this was the first time in the main theater is actually a big nice nice big big theater yeah. and with the surround i should sound. say like the the hollywood is an old enough theater that when it was originally built it had um a balcony and so what yeah. they did in the 70s is they uh, walled in the balcony and turned them into two smaller theaters exactly exactly so yeah. that's what bills um and yeah, yeah they're, they're tiny like tiny little sweat box theaters as a result there's like maybe like maybe like 50 seats in there or something like that and well and they renovated they got all brand new seating because like they had the original seating from like 1920s and they're all the way up until like just a couple years ago so they have modern you know cushiony uh, stadium seating with like the armchairs that pop up with like cup holders and stuff but yeah no uh that's that surround sound was was fucking amazing and actually one another part nice part about this because it was a secret screening for just a bunch of random film fans uh, the crowd, instead of being a bunch of, like, frothing Star Wars nerds, oh, granted there were Star Wars nerds in the crowd, I'm a frothing Star Wars nerd, uh, but it was a bunch of, like, relatively normal people. Um, they had everything from old people to people bringing their little kids to the theater. Um, it was just, like, an average cross-section of kind of, like, movie nerds in Portland without being, like, super hardcore Star Wars fans are going to be, like, yelling back at the theater or, like, freaking out at every, like, moment. Uh, but you still did have people like laughing at all the right moments and stuff. And like, uh, even after the movie, I heard a lot of people saying that this is like, if it wasn't the first time they'd seen this movie, it was like the first time they'd seen it since it was like first out. Right. And people were like, this is a pretty good movie. And there were a lot of wives with their husbands going, ah, that was actually pretty good. <laughs> Who knows how, if they were just being nice or something like that, but it's nice seeing uh, like a movie with a, like that with a normal crowd, but still yeah. getting a great reaction because everyone's like laughing when Han says, well, who are you calling scruffy looking? And mm. man, fucking everyone's like laughing at Yoda. Everyone fucking loved Yoda. And we were talking about it at the movie. After the movie, we were trying to figure out how, why Yoda looks, looks so much better on a film print. And we're kind of talking about how um film it's 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 not just a matter it's like it's not just the image looks different but because it's a piece of film running through a projector there's always like a little bit of a judder so the whole frame just looks like aside from even this is an old 20 year old special edition print and it's kind of banged up and has some splices and stuff in it but still there's something about just like kind of like the juddery like jitteriness of old film 
that like kind of smooths over like even just like puppet effects or like blue screen stuff where it doesn't actually look more realistic but uh, after the movie, I came home and just like fired up some of the star, uh, spe- uh, special edition, uh, despecialized edition of The Empire Strikes Back on my MacBook. And I was like, man, actually the fact that you can see it so crystal clearly, especially like the Yoda puppet stuff, it looks more like a puppet when you can see it razor sharp clarity. Uh, but when the movie, is there something about... I don't know. It, it, I'm, that might also just be nostalgia because I grew up watching those movies in the theaters and kind of seeing kind of like that, like that filmic experience. Um, but I don't know. It was just, it was a really, it was, it was, you could actually kind of say it was actually kind of a magical night. It was really cool. And then Mike was like, oh, it's your birthday. Well, happy early birthday present. So (laughs) (laughs) it worked out for him too. You didn't have to feel bad for missing out on my birthday, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking about the Hollywood this, this week too, because we drove by them on our way to the comic shop yesterday Uh and I shouted, fuck the Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) Why? What happened? Only because I will stay. I'll say I love the Hollywood. I'm actually asking for Christmas from Foley that she get us both a membership to the Hollywood. Yeah, I'm thinking about um, doing the same thing too. Yeah, they for, screen a lot of great from movies from Foley there. too. That's the weird thing. I keep on e- emailing Foley. Foley, could you get me gifts? Anyway, because <laughs> the nice thing about it is that it is a pretty. It's a pretty. Um, as, as much as Bill just char- characterized it as an art theater, it's pretty damn. Uh, 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 mainstream in its appeal. Like, they'll do niche things, but do they'll they? do... Oh, okay, I thought they really did mostly niche stuff. Bill, they'd have a cat video film festival, like, once every six months, dude. Is that not niche? They do, like, they'll do, like, podcast recordings, and they'll do film festivals, but they'll also show, like, they show, like, uh, um, fucking A Christmas Story, and yeah! they do a great thing called, uh, uh, This Is Your Theater, where every month you can vote on an old movie that they'll, uh, bring, and actually this month I'm voting for, um, uh, Manchurian Candidate, I doubt I will win, but I'm voting for it. What's it but, going uh, up against? we were driving by last night, and we saw, uh, uh, I'm on their newsletter and shit, so okay. I'm normally on pretty pretty uh, uh, on on the alert on what they're showing. But their um, beautiful um, uh, sign out front said tonight, oh, uh, Carol with by Todd Hayes, oh, and no. I, I fully and I are just like fuck you because we've been dying to see Carol. Um, it's uh, based on uh, uh, one of the best books we read and uh, on uh, the Lady Lake podcast, and actually the subject of our last episode of the Lady Lake. Podcast. Are you guys talking about a price um, of salt? The Price of Salt, yeah, okay. which is actually a really good book and a pretty important book in that it was one of the first lesbian novels that doesn't end unhappily and doesn't really end with the characters committing suicide. Oh, it actually ends well by everything. It 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 end, oh, I really like the ending. It does, not, which is not to say that they live happily ever after. Oh, it's okay, really it seems actually, like it's custom because I've only heard people talk about the movie and like that sounds like a recipe for sadness. Okay. The book is really good. I will not say that it is not sad, but it does not... I mean, okay. think about it, Bill. Most stories about gay characters, it's about their families hating them, it's about them committing suicide, it's about this or that. You never get just a romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting about Carol is that it is as much about... Um, uh, and the price of salt is that it is as much about um, people... Carol, who is older and more experienced, and uh, Therese, who is younger and... Um, kind of figuring things out. It's as much about that kind of distance 
as it is anything else. So it's okay. a really great book. We're dying to see the movie. It's only released currently in like LA and, and New York. And uh, as we drove by, it was like, it was just like we both swiveled and stared at it. We're just like, fuck at the same time. And it, I called them immediately because it wasn't on their website or anything. And I called the theater and they're like, yeah, it's a invite only screening. He said that like four or five times really Why would you apologetically. broadcast the fact that you're showing Clint Carol then? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get that it's like, if it's like some sort of special event, they're going to put it on the marquee. Yeah. But also i was like god damn it the thing is is that we're friends with the director of the hollywood theater and for one brief moment fully and i were like we can call doug right we can use, oh, you we know can doug. Totally use that because i was talking to doug at the empire thing were you really yeah oh yeah doug uh we call him dougie soft hands but yeah uh doug white <laughs> is a total sweetheart um, we worked with his wife. His wife worked at our workplace. And, oh, that's uh, funny. Um, okay. The first time we met him, we shook his hands. He's like, you have really soft hands. <laughs> he became Dougie's this, this like He's a, he's a real sweetheart. Does he always wear, like, cowboy shirts? No. Okay, because on, on Friday night, he was wearing this black shirt. Kind of like, like a Johnny Cash shirt. It had, like, cowboy embroidery on the chest. Like, over the, like, the chest <laughs> pockets. And, okay, yeah, anyway, yeah. But, yeah, um, no, they're they're real sweethearts in real life. Dougie's soft so. hands. But, um, yeah, apparently Carol is coming to the Fox Tower, is what that person on the they, phone told me, so. So, they, what, so they were only showing Carol once at the Hollywood, but then it's going yeah. over to the other theater? Well, I mean, it's not like there's one print that's being walked over with a locked briefcase from well, one that's theater what, to the other. Well, that's I'm hoping they're going to keep on, I'm looking at their schedule, and it doesn't seem like they're actually showing Carol again anytime soon. It's weird that they would just, no, like... They're, it's an invite-only screening thing. I mean, the, Hollywood is kind of like the closest we have to a prestige But that is so humble-bragging. We're like, hey, here's this movie coming out that, like, half the people in Portland want to see. Oh, but we're even though we're advertising it, it's only... It's it's invite-only. <laughs> no, it's, you know. it's just... I mean, it's a special event. When it's a special event, you do that That's sort like of shit. That's like if Fred Myers, if, the, if, if at the local grocery store they put out and said, hey, guys, free Christmas hams, and then you show up and they're like, actually, free Christmas hams for our friends. Bill, I appreciate your indignation on my behalf. I'm just saying that that's that's like okay, yeah. I mean, I can't complain too much. I benefited from a free screening that I snuck into, but yeah. (laughs) Uh, Bill, tell me about your feeling, your experience with Just Cause Three. You mean is Just Cause Three is? I've seen a couple people on Twitter talking about Just Cause Two accidentally call it Just Cause Two, which is uh, completely applicable. Uh, Just Cause Three is super disappointing. At least so far. Um, Just Cause 3 is a game where you play... What's his name? Like, Rico Rodriguez? The character has so little character that I can't remember what he is or what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, But you're just supposed to be, like, freeing some kind of Mediterranean... I think it's, like, off the coast of Spain because it's all, like, kind of, like... Like like Spanish stuff, but it's supposed to be Mediterranean. You're just kind of running around trying to depose some kind of evil like european dictator from like this this kind of coastal town um and so you're just kind of running around with like you know rocket launchers and stuff blowing up his 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 dudes uh the big thing in the game is that you have a like kind of grappling hook that you can connect to not even just like uh you just hang from and swing from and connect things to yourself but you can connect like different objects together like um, you could like shoot a guy with a grappling hook and shoot the other end of the grappling hook into an explosive barrel and they'll both like fly at each other and then explode. And so the whole game is like, oh yeah, it's cr- this crazy big huge world where it's all kinds of crazy explosions. You're doing all this grappling hook stuff, but man, this game really feels like an early generation, uh, Xbox 360 game. There's like basic design decisions that 
just don't seem very modern. Like, there's no mini-map when you're playing the game, despite the fact that the whole game is about, go here, do this, go here, do that. This thing is five feet away from you, behind you, but you can't see any of that in the mini-map. You have to pause the game to bring up a map to see what everything is around you. And, um... Uh, for some reason, your character can't climb or even walk off ledges. Um, if you walk to the, like, even if you're standing on top of a car or something like that, and you just want to walk off the top of the car, you, like, your character just gets stuck on the edge, and you have to, like, jump up and down off of, it's just, and, like, if you, like, you come to, like, a fence, you can't just climb over the fence, you have to, like, jump, like, super high over it, or you have to, like, use your grappling hook to get over it, like, there's, like, basic... Just, like, movement stuff that's not in this game, which, like, in a game in 2015, an open-world game, you should be able to do. The game's got, like, this terrible, like, really corny, like, yeah, we're so cool attitude about how the main character's like, yeah, I'm just gonna blow everything up, and it's kind of this self-aware, like, yeah, we kind of know this is a video game kind of thing. But it just kind of, like, again, feels, like, super cheesy and like, a game from, like, five or six years ago. And the worst part is, this game has crazy terrible loading times. Um, oh, really? It can take up to two minutes for to do anything. Like if like you like so a big thing is in in the world is in order to unlock anything in the game you have to complete these challenges that you find in the world. Like you'll find an icon floating in the world and you'll go up to it and you'll start a challenge which will be like here's a car you have to drive this car over here and run it into a bunch of explosives and make the biggest explosive explosion that you can. And if your car goes underneath a certain uh, speed limit the car will also explode, so you have to get there as fast as possible. And this challenge was uh, starts you off right on the top of top of this top of this of this like kind of like a big hill that you're obviously supposed to just drive the car off the top of the hill and drive towards your destination. Uh, but the first couple times I tried it, my car would just kind of like drive off the top of the the, the hill and then kind of flip over, and I couldn't flip it over back onto its wheels again, so I had to restart the challenge. But it's a two-minute load time to restart the challenge. You'll you'll hit start, and seriously, sure. like, okay, I better check, better check Twitter, better check my email, better, like, start reading a book. Like, two minutes doesn't sound long until you're sitting there for two minutes every time you try to lo load a new challenge, or, like, open up yeah. any kind of, like, go into any environment or anything like that. Like, it's just... The, it's just... And man, it feels rough. This game feels super underbaked. And, um... Also, the game needs to be online all the time, even though it's just a single-player-only game. And so mm -hmm. if Square Enix's servers have any problems, you'll be kicked out of your game right in the middle of gameplay. It's a single-player game. You're just running around by yourself, but there's no... It's just... It's funky. It's not... It's... They're supposed to be patching it up this week. I may just stop playing it until the new patch comes out to see if it's any better because it's like, and even if sure. even if it had normal load times, at best it would just be kind of mediocre. But it's mediocre with load times that almost make it unplayable. It's it's a disaster. I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. It's too. especially a bummer too because I had a really good time with Just Cause Two, and I love Just Cause Two so much. That's what got me really excited about the fact that the same developer had two games coming out this year. They had the Mad Max game and they had this. And Mad Max was a huge disappointment, and this is a huge disappointment, so... I don't know. Avalanche Studios, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> You're breaking my heart here. I'm sorry, dude. Yeah. But the nice thing I'm is, sorry, though... Um, have you played any of the Uncharted uh, multiplayer beta? No. I just I thought you would think of who you're talking to. I thought to. you would just play it just to see what the, like the new tools and stuff you're supposed to be able to use in single player are like or at least just to play as Elena. Bill, you're right. I play Uncharted cuz I care about the guns. <laughs> I know you figured it yeah, out, my buddy. Well, kind of like 
kind of like Just Cause 3 a little bit. You do have a new grappling hook thing in, in, in Uncharted, it seems. Um, and also, I've only played like two games of the Uncharted uh, multiplayer stuff. But both games I played, everyone wasn't... One game, everyone was playing Elena. The other game, uh, like three out of the five people I was playing with was playing as Elena. Uh, so it's great to have a whole bunch of Elenas running around, and one of the things they do to differentiate from different Elenas on your team is that you can put different hats on her, so you can have, like, Cowboy Elena, or, like, Clown Elena, or, like, all this kind of crazy shit, um, and, and that's the thing, after playing, uh, Just Cause 3 and seeing how funky that is, playing a little bit of Uncharted, just, like... It looks better, runs at like a 60 frames per second. You could like it has grappling hooks, hook stuff, but you can climb and do all the like the the the, the movement stuff like Just Cause 3 doesn't have. It's like really it's like going from like fucking third class game to like triple A first class game. It's good. I don't know who knows what I, the actual multiplayer actual shooting part I didn't care that much about, but just like going back to a better like third person traversal action game thing it just like man uncharted just like oh it was hard to go back to playing just cause 3 like this game i paid for after playing just a little bit of this free uncharted beta uh so yeah i guess the uncharted beta is only for people who have installed the uh nathan drake collection under their uh, under their playstation 4 so you should have access to it yeah, I just have no, okay. I have no, there, there's nothing, I mean, I'm, I don't like multiplayer, and uh, what I love about Uncharted is everything but okay. that. I thought you might so want to fire it up just, just to see what, like, the, what Sully looks like again, or what Flynn sounds like, or, you know, stuff. I'll find out in a couple months, A, and B, a lot of people are mad because that's not Flynn's voice actor doing Flynn's isn't voice. It, isn't it supposed to be Nathan North? Not Na- Nolan North? Nolan North is Nathan Drake. Oh, wait, who's the other guy? Trudy Tumbo. Flynn? Uh, from, Tr- I have no idea. From Last of Us. Trudy Tumbo? Hey, what's his name? Troy Baker. Troy Baker? Isn't that Flynn? Uh, no. No, Troy Baker plays uh, fucking Nathan Nolan North's brother. Isn't that Flynn? No, Flynn is from the. La- like, from Uncharted. Two. He was the dude foiled to. Drake. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay. I thought I thought Flynn looked fucked up for for being Nathan Drake's brother. Oh, okay. I thought that was a bad character model. Okay, it just turns out they're just not related. Okay, that makes me feel a lot better about the beta then. It's a totally different character. It's been a- and Bill, this is why I'm not going to play the turn beta and you're having a good time with it. It is funny though because the characters do chat a lot while you're playing. Like they'll just randomly just. Sh- you know, yell and bark at each other. There's a lot of barks, in-character barking in that game. Um, so, I mean, I know you're never going to play the Uncharted multiplayer, but if you had to play it in terms of they, they really do bring the personality of the characters in really nicely. That's good. Well, it's like when they uh, they were talking about, at some PlayStation event, they were talking about the multiplayer beta, and the intro was, it's like, Uncharted is all about camaraderie and adventure. Yeah. And I was like, that is what it is, so I'm glad they kept that. And you do have, well, like... the only game I really played... Go ahead. The only game... I was about to change the subject, so yeah. if you have some more to say, keep on going. No, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, that, like, it seems like they have sometimes, like, in-character, like, if you have Nathan and Elena on the same team, they'll have, like, Nathan and Elena specific snark and stuff, like, you know, barks between each other, so that that was the only thing I was going to throw out there. So they did a good job bringing out the characters of the... the character of the characters for this, like, stupid, like, multiplayer game. Anyway, go ahead. That's good. Yeah. Uh, the only game I played this week was Shocker, more Fallout... <laughs> 
And um, it's really funny because uh, the game is his four factions, and I'm finally getting to the point where I have to start alienating some factions in order to progress through the story. Oh, really? Okay. And, uh, yeah. And uh, as very... Uh, my Rosa, after having been frozen for 200 years and suddenly waking up uh, and not having to deal with her cultural or societal uh, uh, rules and expectations anymore, uh, has Operation Kiss Everyone. And uh, she has smooched six out of a potential seven smoochable characters in this game. I imagine her lips being so swollen and raw from just smooching everyone in the wasteland. Everyone she could find. That's it, buddy. Uh... And so the only way I could smooch this last dude is by progressing down one faction's route. And so I'm like, uh, okay, yeah. that makes that cho- choice for me. <laughs> but it's so funny because the factions in this are so cartoonishly unlikable uh-huh. that uh, really it's like the answer is none of them. Fuck them yeah. all. Go to hell. Are the Minutemen? Because the Minutemen, at least at start, that's the only faction I've really seen so far. Are the Minutemen, uh, are they assholes? The Minutemen are everyday racists. Oh, okay. Like, they're not, like, extremist racists like all the other factions, but the Minutemen don't like synths, ghouls, or super mutants. But to be fair, it's because they're constantly being killed by I was by about to say, if that's all they're being attacked by, I could see them kind of being like, yeah, fuck synths, ghouls, and super mutants, but yeah. It's a justifiable racism, but some of my best friends are synth schools and super yeah, exactly. so, okay, yeah. But that's pretty much everybody's opinion, so it's like, you know. Yeah. The Minutemen are the least, to use a Tumblr term, the least problematic. And it seems like you can use the Minutemen in conjunction with another faction that I don't 100% object okay. to. There's so, four factions, we'll, right? We'll see. That's correct. Yeah, the Minutemen are the closest to neutral you get, and you can't... I mean, of course, you can do whatever you want. It, it's really hard not to get involved with the Minutemen faction, mm-hmm. I'll just say yeah. that. Well, especially because it's but, the first uh, thing you run into, and they're the first ones actually offering to help you and stuff. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah, the, but yeah, we have Fallout. I'm really... That game is, is interesting. You know, a friend of mine was uh, asked me last week if they thought that they would enjoy it, and, you know, the more I play it, the more I'm like, this really... You know, uh, this is not a game for everyone. I know you have have had, to put it lightly, mixed feelings in your experience with it. But beyond that, I've been thinking a lot lately about the inaccessibility of games. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because most games are so inaccessible to anyone but someone who is deeply versed in the language of video games. Oh, yeah, that problem with Dylan trying to, like, I'll under my PlayStation 3 and she can barely understand how to play Mass Effect. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny. It's like, I, I don't envy anyone who's like, I have to make something that is truly accessible to someone who maybe this is the first time they've picked up controller, yeah. and at the same time, it has to appeal to our everyday shimos who are actually paying the bills. So, it's uh I still think, I mean, granted, they had a huge budget for that, but uh, yeah, Mass Effect 3, having the option to play it as a like, quote-unquote normal game, as... You can make it so that, like, it essentially turns into an action game where they choose all of your dialogue options for you, or they just slice out all the uh, combat and just make it essentially just, like, a fucking talking simulator. The fact that you pretty much serve, like, all three audiences all at once, that was great. I mean, but that was just a very rare case that they had the time and resources to do that, because I know that's... You're essentially well, I designing played three narrative games mode. at that point. I played narrative mode, and they didn't remove combat. They just t- oh, really? take out a lot use... of it and streamline oh, okay. They make it so that at least you're you're pretty much uh, invincible. It is pretty hard to to fail. Oh, okay. But that's still if you're not if <laughs> so. you don't want to 
fumble with like third person twin stick control shooting go yeah. over here do this complete this objective run over here while this guy's yelling at you and these yeah that's that's yeah i guess they kind of want to do that just to kind of give some drama and some context to the conversations you're gonna have so it's not just like you walking over here suddenly load screen suddenly you're talking to someone else and you don't know how you got there or anything like that but yeah mm. yeah um, Bill, tell me about your feelings on the great holiday baking Man, show. I heard people slagging on this. Justin McElroy didn't seem to be too impressed, but I thought it was okay. Um, the great holiday baking show is uh, America's second attempt to import the Great British Bake Off to American shores. Uh, the first one was called, like, Great Cooking of of America Land or something like that. <laughs> um, they tried to turn it into an actual real kind of like more hardcore competition show. Uh, they did bring over Paul Hollywood from the Great British Bake Off, but they didn't bring uh, Barry Mary, uh, Mary Barry. But they did Paul. They did they did pair uh, Hall, Paul Hollywood to um, Jeff Foxworthy of all random fucking people. Yeah. Jeff Foxworthy was the other food judge on that show. And I think it literally, I think they produced like half a dozen episodes, but only two aired because it was, the ratings were so fucking abysmal. Uh, so the, for the second attempt to bring the show over, they actually got the Great British Breakoff production team to actually make the show. Um, so they brought over, they actually didn't bring over, they actually had to import a bunch of Americans to Britain because this, this is actually filmed inside the Great British Breakoff tent. Uh, it's got all the Great British Bake Off music, all the same production values and stuff. It's at, you know, it's got Mary Berry. Uh, they swapped out Paul Hollywood for a cool uh, kind of metrosexual gay uh, uh, American guy who actually seems really. He's, I don't want to say he's better than Paul Hollywood, but he's definitely more enjoyable, and he actually seems to be more along for the ride. He doesn't seem to be like begrudgingly there like Paul Hollywood sometimes seems to be, and and he and Ma Mary Berry seem to get along pretty well. Um, yeah, so this is just going to be a four episode limited miniseries, just leading up to Christmas. I think the last episode airs like you know Christmas Eve or something like that, and of course instead of you know they're all be having to bake Christmas themed stuff. And the inside of the tent now has, like, Christmas lights and Christmas trees in it. It's not just, like, you know, like, it's not as Spartan as it usually is. Uh, but it's, it's not bad. It's, it's not as good as, like, real uh, British Bake Off. But it's, 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 it's a passable substitution. It's, it's not the worst way to introduce Americans who otherwise can't see that show to what like, kind of, like, the Great British Bake Off vibe is. Um, it's all the, still the same challenges. It's not like they suddenly make it hardcore. Like they don't, they're not trying to encourage the contestants to talk shit on each other. It's really is just the same thing, but just now you have people with Brooklyn accents inside the tent, which is kind of sure. weird. Yeah. Um, my favorite guy so far, he's this tall black guy named Eddie who has a blonde fade haircut. I like him. He's my favorite so far. He's from Chicago. He's cool. <laughs> he has a cool, his, they show his grandma in the first episode. Um, she seems sassy. I like her, even though, I mean, that's not important to the show, but I like Eddie's grandma. Um, but yeah, Mary Berry. It's funny because like, like, I'm glad you're getting something from it. Yeah, it's dude. not totally terrible. Um, but yeah, that's that aired last Monday. Next episode airs tomorrow night on I think it's whatever channel airs. Um, must have been ABC because uh, the first episode they debuted right after uh, it's uh, Charlie Brown Christmas last, which is actually a great way if you're gonna um, introduce a new remake of the Great British Bake Off to America, actually airing it right after a Charlie Brown Christmas. That was probably uh, was a pretty smart idea. That was pretty cool. So, that was that. That was It was at least okay. <laughs> Alright, well I'm glad it didn't cancel Christmas for you altogether, my no, friend. No, I did not kick any Christmas trees over. I did not punch an elf. <laughs> 
All right, friends, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back and go into the Geek Week interview. Well, it's a beautiful night. Looking for something dumb to do. Hey, baby, I think I want to marry you. All right, pals, welcome to the Geek Week interview. Uh, as y'all well know from your years of listening to this program, this is the part of our podcast where Bill has written down news in the week that was, and I am reading it and often learning about we, it for the first time. We haven't recorded for four years, so everyone's kind of a graduate of the Boy Howdy School of podcast <laughs> listening at this point. Yeah, We need to mail, Dear Lord, God bless need to mail you. certificates. Another useless diploma. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> at least this one was free. Uh, this yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so they think. They're well, I'm free. free in that they've um, had to spend. If you did have been listening from the start, you've had to listen to like 200 hours of us going, <laughs> Bill going, and Annie going. And Annie ah. sighing so heavily. <laughs> um, uh, this week was both the VGAs and the PlayStation Experience. The PlayStation Experience is technically still going on through today. Mm, yeah. uh, so we got a lot of news coming out. The big important news, this genuinely took me by surprise. Uh, Psychonauts 2 was announced this So week. this happened the night I was going off to see The Empire Strikes Back, so I still have not seen the footage from any of this stuff. I just heard about it. Um, I came back from the Empire Strikes Back. They had a really to- minimal teaser. Yeah. Uh, I, I stayed home and I actually watched the VGAs uh, and, uh, or excuse me, just the Game Awards. Or whatever it is me. now, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, actually saw the announcement and I barely was, uh, you know, cause I was chatting with a friend while I was going on and I almost didn't notice it. The only reason why, cause it, at first I was like, okay, this seems like a thing, but not necessarily. I thought it was like some sort of like, uh, maybe RTS sort of thing. So I was only kind of half paying attention, except my friend's stream was like two minutes ahead of mine. Oh, no. And so I would see her her strong reaction. So I was like, oh, I guess I should pay more attention to this. <laughs> and yeah, sure enough, they kind of casually announced Psychonauts 2. And surprisingly, they announced that they're crowdfunding Psychonauts through to through uh, fig.co, which is the mm-hmm, new funding yeah. platform that not only allows you to do Kickstarter-like backing, but also allows people to invest in the game and actually share in the profits of the game. So people now it. are justified in yelling at Tim Schafer if this game isn't good enough that they've lost money on the deal. If they put in a thousand to ten thousand dollars, oh, yes, is that the minimum thousand? It's yeah, it's like you're actually an investor. Well, if you really dude, hate Tim like Schafer and have a thousand dollars, now is your chance to twist that knife. Um, it's it's like uh, it's a different sort of thing because it's not you can it's basically split into rewards or investments. Oh, that's interesting. So okay, yeah, okay. It's a little more transparent than Kickstarter because Kickstarter the idea is genuinely like oh you just like the spirit of Kickstarter was. You just want a thing to happen, and incidentally, we may incentivize you. Yeah. Whereas with Fig.co, it's more explicitly, please fund our project. You can get this stuff, but you can also independently be an investor if you're so inclined. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a whole it's a whole different banana. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, they did. You, they, they, I don't know, did they show any footage or any concept art or anything like that? They showed a really brief teaser. Um, and yeah, we got to see some, we got to see Sasha and Lily and Raz and, uh, oh my God, and I'm blanking on her name. The, the tall, sexy uh, lady? The teacher lady. Yeah, the teacher lady. Um, yeah, the 60s shame lady. Shame on me. Anyway, uh, yeah, you get to actually see all them fully rendered. Okay. And, uh, it's, uh, it was a cute, it was a cute little teaser. They were asking for 3.3 million because that's how much they got for, um, a double fine adventure. Okay. They, as, as of this recording, they have raised 1.7 million dollars. Which is still not a lot or, because, me, 
one a hundred uh, one uh, one million and seven hundred ninety thousand yeah. dollars. I mean to say. Um, I remember when Double Fine first started their adventure game Kickstarter, and people were saying, "Well, why are you using this money to?" Uh, for an adventure game, why don't you just make kicks? Well, why don't you use this for Psychonauts too? And that's when Tim Schafer was like, "You don't understand. T- Psychonauts two cost what? Like he said, like nine million dollars to make or whatever. It cost twenty seven million. That's what it was, and that was like what, like that was 10, fifteen, yeah, years, 15 ago. years ago. And that's I think that may have led to the conversation where Notch suddenly popped up on Twitter was like, "Hey, I'll help you fund Psychonauts too if, if only quote unquote only quote unquote costs thirty million dollars. Maybe I can help." And which is funny. Yeah, and then Tim Schafer talked to him and is like, come on, yeah. dude. And actually, this week, people <laughs> came up the notch and said, how much are you kicking in for this? He's like, actually, I'll, I'll be an investor on this, but I'm not, like, going to be funding the whole thing. I'll throw in, like, $10,000, but I'm not, like... Yeah, he he, yeah. he did... He'll be top tier. Well, here, here's a part of the podcast where I Bill says something and then I say what actually happened. Oh, well, that's what I... Uh, again, like, this is... I just had to piece this together he, from reading Twitter, so... He he pitched, he pitched in on the reward level. He pitched in on the, the $10,000 level. So, I love it. I was close. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, no, what's interesting is that they are pretty open in their uh, campaign that this is only a part of their fundraising. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, they they say as much that uh, their hope is um, uh, that this is a, intended to be essentially only uh, maybe a, a quarter or a third. That uh, they have one private backer in place, and then uh, double find themselves are going to put up the rest of it. So oh, yeah. also, Tim Schafer's uh, waiting for Grandma to die or something like that, and maybe you might get some money out of that or something like that. So so yeah, it's an interesting situation. I'm really kind of surprised that they're going down this route. Uh, I'm not dis- not I'm not surprised, but um, there are so many people who are so poisonous about uh, Broken Age. Uh, it's uh, interesting that they're going this road again. Um, they're partnering again with two-player productions to do it. Oh, I didn't hear about thing, that. Okay, they good. Said okay. It's going to be a different sort of thing than uh, what they did for Broken That'll Age. That'll be interesting because so. the process, going back to a known thing rather than just coming up with a whole new uh, IP. It'll be interesting to see that that'll that'll be like interesting in a different way uh, with new documentary. Uh, what made me most excited, to be honest with you, is that um, uh, they not only announced that they're going to do this, but they have a lot of the original programming team from the original Psychonauts. Yeah, so the but beyond that, Scott they're going to have. Uh, Scott Campbell, Peter Chan, and Nathan Stapley are who are the like the, a lot of the visual like the that they cr- define the look of Psychonauts. They're going to bring back Peter McConnell, of course, to do the music. He also did music for Broken Age. So that's not too, su- too surprising. But what I was most thrilled with is that they're bringing back Eric Wolpaw, who was the co-writer of. Psych- I Psychonauts. saw that in the pitch video. That was the funniest part of the pitch video. Was the Eric Wolpaw uh, Wolpaw part? Of course, go figure. Eric Wolpaw had was a writer for Old Man Murray and. Uh, then went and worked with uh, Tim Schafer on Psychonauts, and then he actually he's a writer at Valve. Um, he uh, you know was one of the writers of uh, the Portal and uh, um, does all the Team Fortress comics and everything yeah. like that. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really thrilled that uh, they really seem to have gotten the band back together. I love that his thing is just like well, there's a whole part of the video where they go back and show all the people, all the old uh, Psychonaut staffers, to say whether or not they're going to be in or not and yeah they cut to eric wolpaw standing next to gabe newell inside valve headquarters and eric wolpaw is all like hmm. and yeah gabe newell's all like he's in don't worry about it. yeah and he's like oh, yeah, okay <laughs> yeah i can say it now i'm in yeah i thought it was cute um, but yeah I'll so yeah see what happens with that. i i if you had asked me to bet what was going to be announced at the, at the game awards i would not in a million years have said have they said if it's going to be another third person game or is, like is it going to be like an adventure game or some kind of different genre yeah. this time 
Oh, that's no, weird. No, it's exactly it's it, it's going to be a three D platformer, hmm. a third person three D platformer. Are the game like designers got like the level designers and stuff coming back? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's a whole it's a whole gang. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean the uh, you know Psychonauts. As much as I think of it, and then think of the meat circus, and I get a full body shiver. It has some of my favorite level designs in any game of that's all time. That's the thing like, imaginatively. Yeah. yeah, that's there's a lot of potential the, for that. Like like because every- Black Velvetopia is one of my favorite level designs yeah. in any video game of all time. And then like the Milkman level mm-hmm. and the way it literally shifts your perception of reality. This is some good shit as a as a device. As a framing device for a game, it's brilliant, yeah. and I'm really excited to spend some more time in that world. Yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully, I, hopefully it's good. I, I I hate to be one of those people because like I I'm again double fine. I think their games are more interesting than they are fun to play. Uh, but the potential for this to be super, at least like yeah, imaginative level design and stuff. I hopefully there's not like a, some more meat circus stuff. Again, they're they're very self aware about how much everyone hated the meat circus. But then again, I also Okay, I'm not okay. I'm not going to rain on the parade about the psychonauts too. I'm on board. I'm <laughs> well, it's not like it does not exist yet. You know, well, it's like it's, it's double fine. is pretty consistent with kind of like iffy kind of like actual gameplay design. Very interesting ideas, but like the execution is never really quite as good as it could be. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not like it's it, it, even if you don't enjoy double fine games they enrich the gaming well, exactly landscape. exactly that's what i'm saying so yeah. it's like they are worth backing just so that they exist i feel about them kind of like to a very different degree i feel about tale of tales even though i may not get everything out of their games i'm glad that they are around and that they're telling the sort of stories they're telling and that they're bringing that perspective because it's so different and so um enjoyable even just to have breaking up the cadence of man oh speaking of um vga and playstation stuff there is a big sale on playstation network right now you can get uh just you saying the word tales got me thinking about this uh tales for the borderlands is only seven bucks on psn right now you can get the whole really the whole series yeah for like 750 uh, I, wow, that is worth it. Me and Jimmy last night were talking about we we both just pulled the trigger and pro, we're both probably going to start playing that today. So good, it's really Tales from the Borderlands is the more I think about it, I think it's my favorite uh, Telltale game. Well, a lot of people bring that up for uh, for Game of the Year considerations the, the yeah. Uh, yeah. right now for different podcasts and stuff like that. So yeah. So another exciting thing this weekend, I was actually out at brunch and missed this altogether. And a friend of the podcast and my e-child, Sid, texted me to tell me, and which is why Sid is my favorite person, <laughs> uh, that uh, yesterday at the PlayStation Experience, Tim Schafer announced that uh, Double Fine is also remaking Full Throttle and bringing it to PS4, Vita, and PC. So is this going to be like a polygonal remake? Like what's what does remake mean? Well, Bill, it's exact. Have you seen everything from the day of the tentacle remake? No, not at it's, all. Well, Bill, do you remember the Secret of Monkey Island remake? Yeah. Where they just basically, there was an option to have a different, um, uh, like a, a more modern and polished Oh, so, okay, all visual. these games are just 2D art. They're None of them are three-dimensional or anything like that. Correct. Oh, okay, yeah. Correct. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not like they're making a new game. They're just essentially remastering Are they widescreen the now? Uh... Uh, Bill, you're asking the wrong question here, pal. The only reason I, I ask that is because that, like, you know, when, like, in games where you have to, like, uh, like, you know, uh, click and point and, like, search for stuff on the screen, you have, they might have to actually, like, change, like, you know, it could change the design of how the layout of stuff, and that's interesting. Okay, I didn't realize they were, I thought this was maybe just a remaster, not just a full-on remake. 
Um, it, it is a it is a remaster. Okay. Um, uh, uh, but uh, it's um, I, I'm curious what they do actually. Now that you mention it, because I'm not sure what they did with Grim Fandango, because all of those backgrounds were pre-rendered. Yeah. I don't know if in those cases, in that case, I think they took the original high-res files and like just kind of yeah. filled out the edges or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I, Full Throttle is one of my favorite games of all time. Foley and I recently replayed it. Um, and, uh, it's funny because it's one of those games that means so much to me, even though it's a pretty slight game, there's not much to it, but, um, the, the world building and the tone and the storytelling were so refreshing at the time. I didn't know games could be like that, yeah. that it was really an, a hugely important game to me. And more than anything else, the, I've always joked, and it's only a little bit of a joke, that the only cosplay I would ever do would be Fat Mo from Full Throttle, and now all of a sudden I have a new context to do that in. So I'm now i got to make it happen. Mo. <laughs> Mo was one of my favorite video game uh, lady. Uh, Is that the lady I see in screenshots where she's just kind of grimacing? Yep. Yeah, it's always that. Like, I always see like when everyone. Let's see, Fat Mo. Wait, that's not that's not a good picture. <laughs> Do not Google Fat Mo. That will not give you any. I think this is bringing up Fat Moe, the anime trope, <laughs> which that's not what I'm looking for. Uh, oh yes, that but- lady. She always looks super sad. Yeah, she always looks like she just found out her like her family died. Man, full, full throttle, throttle is full if you once really you play cool. full throttle you'll learn that that is actually what ha- is the start of the game you know what they, um, i almost i love the pixel art for this it's almost like they don't even need, really need to read and if, if it's just that art with like a smoothing filter over that fuck that i'd rather just play the original crispy version well that's that's what they're plan. You, you will have the option to do both yeah much like with, Secret that with like Monkey super Island. nintendo games and that never looks good and that's gonna just yeah my point is, Bill, I'm saying, as you make sounds of dislike, that is an option that they're making available to you because they agree that that is a valid perspective. Is the main guy's name Full Throttle? His name is Ben. What's his name? Okay, because he's got a jacket that says Full Throttle on the back. Yeah. Okay. It's, he, he, it's like a, a thing. Man. Yeah. Did you hear about the new Uncharted game? It, star- it stars Mr. Uncharted and Mrs. Uncharted. It's crazy. It's a real good joke. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Um, I just also, love the idea of any video game the protagonist just being named. You know, it's full throttle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also announced that the in PlayStation Experience Invisible Incorporated is coming to PS4. Yeah, uh, I just thought this was interesting because Dylan fucking loves this game. This is kind of like a um, three quarter perspective turn based strategy game where you play like these like uh, cybernetically enhanced spies trying to crack into buildings with like cameras and auto turrets like you're trying to steal information and stuff like that it seems like a very cool stylish game dylan loves the shit out of it and of course this is the bazillionth indie game that's coming from uh pc to playstation 4 sometime next year so which be, is cool, you know, cool I, I i much prefer playing games on my console so i love yeah. i love it when this shit happens i will now play this game and that'll be another fun experiment when i get dylan over here like okay here's this how this game that you love on your macbook here's how this got translated to controllers here let me tell i I, w- I want to see what she thinks about it, or if she just like her hands feel like they're going crazy as she's trying to, you know, you know, again trying to adjust a twin stick controller. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it seems like a very cool game. Uh, also announced at PlayStation Experience this weekend, Laura Bailey. Actually, this was announced at the Game Awards. They showed a little trailer. Oh, this um, I Laura- just combined all the VGA and, and and PlayStation stuff into one big yeah. 
list. Laura of stuff. Bailey voicing a badass black lady in Uncharted Four, which also will feature branching dialogue options. Yeah, well, this I love that they're totally going for the Bioware thing in Uncharted. Now they're totally playing like yeah, people like these characters. They want to be able to actually like manipulate the conversations a little bit. Um, I'll be curious to see how that plays out. Um, one of my favorite things about uh, Naughty Dog games is what an authored experience they are. Well, but the and, stories um, are pretty linear, though. I, mean, I can see they're being different branching dialogue options, but you're not really going to affect the plot that much, I would imagine. Well, sure, but my point is, Bill, is that an authored experience is an authored experience. It's not one of four authored experiences, you know well, what I mean? Well, by an authored experience, it's like experience where, like, the authorship just has two different tracks going to the, the exact same endpoint. Very narrow, like, you know, splitting tracks. That my point is, Bill, is that there is a difference between someone wrote one route that is what happened versus they write four variants. Well, I'm assuming this is like, hey, Elena, let's go over there versus, huh, we should go over there. You know, that might be just like, do you want to be Dick Drake or Fun Drake? Like, yeah, that I'm. But imagine. that's my point is, is that there is one true Drake. That that's why I find this Drake's intriguing. Drake's nebulous enough. Kind of there's weird. not really one true Drake. All right. That's great. I'm just um, saying, it's not like Drake's got like that much of a defined character. Like you could, he he's he can be a funny guy, and he can be kind of a, I, I don't know. It's like Indiana Jones. I'm not. Well, of course, I'm not Bill. But you know, you know, you know that m- momentous scene in uh, that Indiana Jones movie where that dude brings out that sword and does all of that cool stuff, and then your option is either to pull out a sword or just shoot him. Yeah. Well, but That's this, what this I is dialogue mean. options. This is like if he's saying, Marion, run. Or he's like, ha ha, Marion, you're so silly. It's, you know, you can yeah, see, you, you know what? In Star Wars, where if Han Solo, when he was about to go in the pit, if your option was Princess Leia said, I love you, and you could say, I love you too, babe, or I know. Yeah, that's what right. I'm saying. That's yeah. exactly the same experience. I don't know why it is. That's, again, it's, you know, it still ends with him in a carbonite at the end. <sighs> but the, uh, Uncharted isn't about, like the story it's about the moment to moment experience and those moments of those characters <sighs> hey did you know that telltale announced they're gonna do a batman game yeah it's weird telltale announced last year they're doing a marvel game i think they're just trying to I play the if, field they're just trying to get everyone riled up i wonder if they're gonna come out at the same time or what <sighs> Yeah, but it's, it's also a big different wide gulf between announcing you're going to do a Batman game versus you're going to do a Marvel. You were the game. only person I've seen actually point out the fact that hey guys, they did announce that they're going to do something with another company. No one else bothered to like ask Telltale about this. Yeah, um, you should well, work. Well, saying for you're Kotaku. doing a Marvel game, yeah, saying you're doing a Marvel game is so ambiguous. It could mean they're doing a Big Hero Six game, you know? Or well, that's a good point too. Yeah, it, they, versus oh, wow. like I'm going to do a Batman game. They'd be doing Jessica Jones game. <laughs> but seriously, like Jessica Jones would be a great character. Now, I would play the movie. shit out of that game. Fuck. That was my first. Honestly, no joke. When they announced a Marvel game, my first thought was, "Oh, I wonder if they'd adapt Alias because that seems like that would be really good for that kind." It of... It would be interesting if they actually actually just adopted or adapted actual comic stuff rather than just adapting like a live action adaptation of some kind of comic thing. Yeah. You know what? I can't wait to happen. Um, Telltale did an adaptation of fables called Wolf Among Us, which was not great, but also I really enjoyed the hell out of. <laughs> um, uh, DC turned around, or I should say Vertigo turned around and did an at ad- a comic adaptation of the Telltale adaptation of what? fables. So I wonder if they'll do oh, that. that for Batman. Ouch. <laughs> oh man. That takes some balls too. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see what happens. Who knows? It would be yeah, curious. Um, uh, you know, I mean, it would be interesting if they tried to do Batman talking to people. Maybe you're not even playing Batman as much as Bruce Wayne, but it'd be interesting if maybe you're playing a different character or like maybe they'll yeah. invent a new character who's running around the Batman universe and like. I, I would know. love to play either Jim or Barbara Gordon in that world. Hmm, yeah, I mean cause that would be like my. I wonder ideal. if you could play as multiple different characters too. Maybe it doesn't have to be one insert character, but I don't why know. don't you play Tales from the Borderlands? I should. How that I hear it's only seven dollars and fifty cents right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, Telltale announced this weekend a new Walking Dead game, and that the protagonist in it will be voiced by Pussy from Orange Is the New Black. I I saw the original news, and I was like, "Oh, great! More fucking Walking Dead. Who gives a shit?" Then I was like, "Pussy, yeah." Um. I don't know why. I mean. Jimmy mentioned this last night because I was like, well, why don't they get the lady who plays Michonne from the TV show? I barely know anything about the TV show. All I know about The Walking Dead, I don't know anything about the comic. I don't know anything about the TV show. Everything I know about The Walking Dead stems from the game, which I guess is tied into the comic book version of that universe and not the... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, Michonne showed up early enough in The Walking Dead that she showed up when I was still reading The oh, Walking okay. Dead. And I was like, well, you could still get the actress who plays, you know, it doesn't actually have to be playing the the, the TV show version of Michonne, but like, if it, you already have some who's already used to playing Michonne, they could come in and voice. Now, I'm sure she wouldn't have a problem coming in and voicing a, a, a game character uh, version of that. But, man, then I saw this Pussy, and I was like, fuck yeah, I'll play anything with Pussy, man. Fucking A, that's fucking shit. I don't know. I don't even know anything about Michonne except she's black, she has, so what, like samurai swords, and she has, like, slave zombies that she walks around with? Um, All I can remember about her is how she appears in the Walking Dead comic, which is she wanders up to the survivors. Yeah, she's got like a sword and she has two zombies that she's cut off the arms of oh, or something like that. Yeah. What was that? They're, oh, she, yeah, that's right. She cut off their jaws. That's what it okay, is. Yeah. So they can't bite her. And isn't she like sh- smeared with yeah. zombie stuff? Because yeah. then zombies don't smell you. Right. Yeah. It was a good call. Yeah, she fully Not the wrong idea, her, yeah. Her survival decisions. Excellent tactics. <laughs> um, oh, you know what? This actually became kind of a thing because people did get upset about the fact that Laura Bailey is voicing a black lady in Uncharted 4. Oh, yeah. It's really super weird. Yeah. I'm sure that makes me really uncomfortable. And what's his face um, came out and said, well, don't worry. We, we've got a white guy playing. Oh, we've got a black guy playing a white guy somewhere we haven't announced who who the voice actor is yet or who the character is which is also kind of weird to say hey don't worry we've switched races on another character um well no i mean honestly as soon as i saw that i was like oh she was recast like half the crew of this was recast during the weird creative shuffle that happened. Like Troy Baker was character was originally played by Todd Stanwick. According I'm to what's his face, he says they actually they they just they just wanted Laura Bailey, and it turns out the artists they were working on a bunch of uh, art designs after. Maybe she may have been cast for the original version. Laura Bailey. I, I, see, the reason why I suspect that Laura Bailey. Was I mean, you might be right. They might be spinning it, but anyway, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. She, um, she's kind of a pro. She is as much of a default yeah, voice exactly, actress yeah. as Nolan North and Troy Baker are, and they all have worked together before. Like, for example, in Tales from the Borderlands, <laughs> wherein Laura Bailey Porras is the protagonist in, in yeah. Encounter to Troy Baker. God damn it. So, like, it, she totally like. I would be shocked. We, I don't know if he'll ever learn the real story of what happens yeah. in uh, behind the scenes that Uncharted Four. But I would be gobsmacked if she was not a ringer that during the whole shuffle. Yeah. What's his face? Uh, not, I want to say, every time I think about a game creator these days, I think Steve Gaynor for some reason. Um, whoever's in charge of Uncharted these days, in charge Neil of Uncharted. Neil Druckmann and Bruce Staley. Yeah, he came out and said, uh, like on Twitter yesterday, he was, he said his explanation was, 
that like they had Laura Bailey and they were just coming up with character designs and someone came up with a great design for like a super tough black lady. And it's like, well, there's no reason why, it's, you know, the, it's a voiceover thing. Like you can voice an alien and it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it doesn't, shouldn't matter the race that much. But yeah, I don't know. yeah I'm, I'm fine with more ladies of color in my video games. I'm pro it. So, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's funny to kind of come out and say, well, we've got a white guy voiced by a black guy later. So don't worry about that. But it's, it's, not, it's a little bit funny to get like, oh, we miscast, quote unquote, miscast this. But we miscast it the other way for something else. It's kind of funny. Just to, it's kind of weird, like polit- political math you have to do when it comes to casting, I guess, that way. Um, anyway. Lots of VR was also announced this week, as well as a um, uh, Sony uh, was talking about their stuff. They're doing a Psychonauts uh, kind of standalone thing that will serve as a bridge between Psychonauts 1 and 2. Okay. But I have to tell you, my favorite part of this announcement was the image that I was came about, up That's the only thing I saw about this. Which was riffing on the, was it Time Magazine cover about the future of VR that had the dude in the really weird pose? Yeah, the, the founder of Oculus Rift. Yeah, the super, like, emasculated, kind of, like, arms, kind of like a chicken, barefoot on, like, on a Photoshop beach, kind of going, eh. <laughs> yeah, it was just a parody of that, which I thought was very cute. Everyone was, it was, it was really good. Up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess they're also having, they uh, showed, like, a essentially like a vr remake of like the discs of tron game from inside the tron movie that barely seemed to function on stage for the demo i guess uh they're remaking res the old like kind of tr- that that's the game with the vi- that came with a vibrator where you're flying around and it's all kind of like tron graphics um i don't know all kinds of goofy stuff like that so it sounds like next next spring they're actually between uh playstation vr and oculus rift it sounds like they really are serious about having that shit on store shelves next year one way or the other. Huh. Quite easy. Yeah. Um, also was announced Nino Kuni 2 for Nino. PlayStation 4. People call already calling it Nino Toonie. Um, yeah, I've, that's really kind of a surprise because I'm sure like the original Nino Kuni only sold, not that it's being made, but the fact that they announced it for America first. Like, that, like, because that's a very Japanese-ass game. It's a Japanese role-playing game with, like, Studio Ghibli artwork. Maybe, I wonder if maybe the first one sold more here in the States, and that's why That's what I was just about to here, guess. Yeah. Like, rather yeah. than, like, at TGS or something. Um, yeah. I don't think they actually said anything specific about Studio Ghibli being involved. Um, I'm sure they're probably, even if it's just character design and stuff like that, but oh, it'll be interesting. You know, Kuni was unique enough that I'm kind of glad that there's more of that stuff. The most interesting part of the Game Awards was when uh, Jeff Keighley started talking about uh, Konami's lawyers kept Kojima from appearing. That was the weirdest fucking thing. It's yeah. really interesting. Instead of just even bluffing and saying uh, Kojima couldn't make it and just kind of leaving it at that, the fact that he actually came out and said, yeah, K- Konami fucked us, essentially. And like, I have to admit, booing. I have to admit, for one brief moment, when Jeff Keighley paused everything to talk about Hideo Kojima, I briefly thought, oh, are they about to announce Hideo Kojima's crowdfunding venture? Well, that's what <laughs> everyone was expecting what was going to happen, because it wasn't just Kojima, but pretty much everyone else who had worked on Metal Gear Solid 5 was going to be there. So they thought, at minimum, Metal Gear Solid was a lock for winning the best game of the year. If not that, then at least he was going to bring everyone up on stage and say, hey, we're going to make our Metal Gear Solid knockoff with all these people fund this and who knows maybe they maybe that's what was gonna happen who knows but yeah according yeah konami's lawyer said no kojima which you wonder how konami's lawyers could keep him from just showing up in public just to accept an award but he is bound by a non-compete clause until the end of december which i don't know if that i would i 
I, hmm, if he was going to announce a Kickstarter, that would be, like, that would violate a non-compete clause. It's kind of curious, yeah, I wonder if he was going to do something that kind of, could have violated that clause or something. Cause well, let me put it this way. Able to just show. If you got shit canned from your studio, would you show up months after being shit canned to basically work promotion for your studio <coughs> of your own volition out of the kindness of your heart? But the, that's the weird thing. Why would Konami block him from showing up to essentially do promotion for the last game he made for them? It's not like he's hurting Well, no, my them. point is is that why would he? Well, why would well, he show up? Well, that's the weird thing that he would even want to show up for this anyway. Exactly, yeah. Though, yeah. That's, that's why everyone assumed if he was going to show up, it would be to, like, just to parlay that into, hey, here's my post-Konami stuff fun this yeah. but i don't know that that's just really weird but yeah konami very what strange a bunch of fucking dicks jesus very Christ. strange um uh jade raymond slighted Kiefer sutherland while presenting the best performance award it was so good it was yeah really that was good, rough i have to say <laughs> it was a little unfortunate because the teleprompter i noticed a couple of times during the evening seemed to be just a hair too slow yeah she was but, talking uh, very slowly so people were trying to decide whether it was the teleprompter or if maybe she had a couple drinks before <laughs> going on stage probably a combination of both um, um, but yeah, it was actually really cute because she basically made some sort of dig about how David Hayter is the one true uh, snake. Yeah, she's giving the, the the award for best performance. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I thought that was yeah, that that was pretty. Especially cheesy. considering Kiefer Sutherland was there, like two. Yeah, he had to go her. out of his way to show up at this like stupid little video game show that was being broadcast only on the internet just to get insulted, which is great. Man, I admit, uh, uh, when Jade Raymond showed up briefly, I was like, oh, and she started talking about characters. I was like, oh man, are they gonna talk? Talking all about the um, Amy Hedig Star Wars game, mm. but no, 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 no. That'll probably oh, be well. a Han. Um, the more now that they that Han Solo movie's coming together, I wouldn't be surprised that the Amy Hedig game is just going to be a, just like the game tie-in for the young Han Solo movie. We'll probably hear more about that next year. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, then, the, yeah, the other thing was yeah, Jade Raymond's envelope was misprinted. Yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, it was uh, uh, the the uh, the the envelope said that it was the Geralt from The Witcher instead of the lady from her story. Well, well they up. said it was the actress from her story, but say, saying that was it was that she had perfor- that it was miscredited as being that her appearing in Witcher Three, which oh, oh yeah, because she said it was the names like her name was like Vivia Seifert. She was like Vivia Seifert, The Witcher Three. uh that was not witcher 3 um yeah did you ever play her story nope it's on phones and stuff like that it's like it's like 99 cents it's 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 interesting it is a game that sound i'm again i'm glad exists but from all the um the non-dudes who have played it that i've spoken to about it it sounds like it's not a sort of game i would play oh it's super stupid the plot is super dumb but I, I was, I thought it was interesting just from the interface thing where I played the sure. Steam version and you're supposed to be playing at like an old 90s computer terminal, like just looking through records. And yeah. as someone who worked uh, on those, like that vintage of computers doing data entry and kind of doing uh, database management processing, stuff like that, I was like, oh, wow, somebody made a game out of my job. <laughs> it just has this, you know, yeah, except instead of just like uh, legal documents, you're, you're processing uh video files of this lady talking about some crime crime she was uh, accused of but no yeah her story is you know yeah maybe talked up a little bit too much but not bad ps2 games on the playstation 4 yay for 15 dollars a piece boo yeah that's a little steep especially because they're not cross play or anything too um if you've bought like any of the grand theft auto games on playstation 3 this does not count um so it's a little yeah 15 bucks that's a little 
Especially since you can buy like new PlayStation Network like indie games for like ten bucks a piece. And, yeah. Yeah. And considering you could go down to like the Goodwill and buy these PS2 like games for a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> There's rumors that's actually coming out of the show floor on the VGAs that some a couple people at Sony are talking about how they are thinking about some kind of like paid like actual emulation thing where you could just take a PlayStation 2 disc and pop it into your PlayStation 2. Uh, but it sounds like that's very tenuous and who knows. That's just more just like scuttlebutt than anything else. But um, man, at least some PlayStation 2 games will be coming to PlayStation 4. But yeah, I wonder if they're going to knock down that price a little bit. It's interesting because they announced that before the PlayStation experience started and they didn't talk about it all during the show. So I wonder if they're kind of maybe there's already enough kickback about the price or something like that. It's really weird they wouldn't like make that a big thing like hey here's the games for our most popular the most popular video game system of all time now available on our console they wouldn't mention they wouldn't talk about it during their big essentially marketing pitch right like two weeks before christmas it was really weird i don't know i don't know who is the audience for old games yeah well nostalgia i mean nintendo they make half their money just repackaging their old games to people. I'm kind of surprised play, uh, Sony's not more aggressive about that stuff, too. Sure. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like there's a big difference between a Mario and a Zelda versus, oh, I can play Grand Theft Auto, whatever. Yeah, or like you know? Metal Gears, or uh, what is it, Total Twisted Metal and, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's not a, if they had like a title that was like, or a, couple, a title or two that yeah. was like really something that would grab people by the throat. Yeah. But as it is, just like you can replay old favorites. It is nice that. Well, it is nice as a taste tester. They did. They did give everyone a free copy of place or of uh, Final Fantasy XII now for free this weekend. Did too. they? Yeah. Oh, I gotta go do that right now. No. Bye. <laughs> I'm kidding. They didn't. I just wanted to be a jerk to you for no reason. I wish, man. Actually, Final Fantasy games on PlayStation Four, like. That's the best thing about the fucking Vita. The fact that you can get all all the place, all the old Final Fantasy games up until Final Fantasy IX on that thing. I'm still convinced that, like, even if you don't play anything else on the Vita, the fact that you can play at least all the old PlayStation 1 and all the Super Nintendo Final Fantasies on there. But yeah, man, I'm still... That is my... I want to sit down and play Final Fantasy XII. You've talked about it so much. I've heard about it so many good things from other people. Man, they gotta talk to Square. Square's not making any money from anything else these days. Fucking... Ugh. Put Final Fantasy XII on PlayStation 4. <laughs> Tear down that I'll wall. I'll pay fifteen dollars for that. Come on, uh, the, Samurai Jack is returning in 2016. That's really all we know about it. Gendy Tartakovsky came out and just well, not even Gendy Tartakovsky. Um, yeah, that was my first thought. Is he involved? That that sounds like he's involved. But they just, scrapped his uh, his Popeye movie. Yeah, that almost he... sounds like this is what happened. His Popeye movie didn't happen, so he's like, well, well, I guess I'll do Samurai Jack. So it's just gonna all we know is it's gonna premiere on Adult Swim next year, and it's gonna involve Gendy uh, Tartakovsky. Um, my first thought was like, what do you do without Mako, who did the voice of Aku? Because yeah. that was such yeah. a you can't. It's yeah, Aku was the voice of the series. Yeah, I mean they managed to recast when Mako did the voice of uh, Uncle Iroh on Avatar: The Last Airbender. They were able to get a guy who sounded kind of like enough that you can kind of. It sounded different, but you can kind of get over a little bit. But Aku, you can't recast Aku. You pretty much have to have like Aku Junior or some kind of new bad guy because that was yeah. so much like. Samurai Jack. And that was kind of like the narrator of the show and everything, too. Yeah. Like, what do you do? Christ, you get Tom Waits. There you go. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. But, yeah, that's cool. I'm glad that's coming back. Peter um, Jackson will direct a bit of Doctor Who next year. Yeah, did, I know you don't care about this, but did you see anything about how they uh, announced this? No. Um. So Peter Jackson just put up a video on YouTube where he's just hanging out with his daughter 
and his daughter's like i think she's flipping through like a book of tolkien while peter jackson is just like polishing his 12 oscars (laughs) and uh his daughter's all like hey stephen moffat the guy who's in charge of doctor who keeps he's been calling you for years about about getting you to direct an episode of doctor who peter jackson's all like oh i'm far too busy to deal with that Stephen Moffat. After all, the episodes that he's written for Doctor Who have been mediocre at best. He's like really slagging <laughs> on Stephen Moffat's writing, which is funny because he's essentially just aping what the entire internet says. And they're just kind of talking back and forth, and suddenly Doctor Who shows up behind them and walks in. He's like, "I need your help. I need you to direct an episode of Doctor Who." And so they then kind of run off, and that's yeah. So he's doing something for Doctor Who next year. So this is this has actually been rumored for a couple of years that this might happen. And now that Peter Jackson is done with the Hobbit, it sounds like he's like, "Okay, I'll do Doctor Who for you." So that's cute. Um, the 70mm Roadshow of The Hateful Eight is already running into hiccups as projection problems have already screwed up two critic screenings, one of which had to be screened digitally after the intermission when the projector completely broke down. Yeah, I think there was a screening in New York, and the big thing was there was a screening in L.A. last weekend where um, I guess at the start of the screening there was a big soft spot on the screen uh, from the focus not being done right. And so, the yeah, for the whole first half of the screening, this is a critic screening, too, not just, like, some sneak preview for, for normal people, but this is, like, people are judging this goddamn screening. Um, yeah, the big soft spot in the middle of the screen that then they tried to fix that during the intermission. They couldn't, so, yeah, they just had to stream yeah. it digitally. Um, yeah, the article I read was really interesting because it basically boiled down to, remember how we used to have projectionists yeah. and, like, projectionist unions, and it was actually, like, all this specialized knowledge that no one has anymore because everybody does digital? Yeah, funny thing. <laughs> so it sounds like, actually, like, from what I heard at the at the, um, at the the Hollywood, uh, part of the problem is that, I forget who's, is this, I, I, I can't remember who's distributing The Hateful Eight, uh, but... They're distributing seventy millimeter Panavision lenses for the for the projection of this movie, but they are not distributing the uh, the aperture arrays that you use to actually attach the lens to your uh, projection equipment. Oh, and so if you don't already have like something like that specifically made for that lens, you might have to jury rig something. And if it's jury rigged, it's gonna like your projection may be all messed up. And that sounds like that's what happened in LA. And so it sounds like Doug at the Hollywood, he's actually he's actually in the middle right now. Uh, actually, before the Empire screening, he actually came out and said he talked about he was hyping up the fact that they're going to be showing the uh, the Hateful Eight there in 70 millimeter in two weeks. And he was talking about how um, they're running tests right now and they're actually um, they have a print on hand that they're messing with. And they're trying to like they're essentially spending the next two weeks trying to figure out how to get to look as beautiful as they can. And yeah, they're actually uh, the the uh, the Hollywood Theater is actually spending its own money to co- uh, commission a local, uh, someone here in Portland to machine a special yeah. adapter yeah. for their projection equipment for this one lens that they're only going to use to show the Hateful Eight. Yeah. And so he's, he sounds like it'll be okay with them, but that's only because they're taking these extra special steps to do two yeah. weeks of testing. And I mean, here's the thing. To machine the Hollywood parts. Theater is literally a nonprofit dedicated to the beauty of film. Yeah. Like, they have the 70 millimeter camera or projector that was used in that theater in like it back in the day and when they restored it over like two years ago they they spent like two years combing the united states for replacement parts like these people are hardcore nerds i can only imagine in you know with joe schmo's movie emporium like anybody else going to that sort of care with something that's such a finicky piece of technology Mm -hmm. 
yeah, and obsolete. Said, for the Empire screening, he said the uh, projectionist was using the force on the projector to make it run. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's legitimate an experience as possible, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. They actually had, who's in Carol? They actually had the actors come out and actually, like, they did a shadow cast, like, like uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show of Carol while watching Carol. They actually had them perform uh-huh. live. Like, yeah. Flirting. Yeah. It's a super good joke. Oh, this is the other thing. We're almost done with the podcast, but this is the other the birthday gift I got. Speaking about old movies and stuff like that, um, Dylan from uh, from my birthday present, she got me a copy. I didn't even know this existed. The Annotated Little Women, uh, which is a huge book, it turns out. And on top of having notes and stuff for the text of Little Women, it has a whole bunch of pictures and ex- you know pi- like excerpts of drawings and illustrations from all the you know different versions of Little Little, little Women that's been printed over the years. But it has it's also illustrated with a bunch of pictures from uh, the Winona Ryder movie and the Catherine Hepburn production. Oh really? Production. Oh and really? So I am now doubly interested in going back and watching the Catherine Hepburn version of Little Women just because I'm like, oh okay, that's what Laurie looks like in the old version, all this stuff too. And yeah, it's they, they, the you know, only the only good re- uh, the best thing about that is the way she says christopher columbus <laughs> that's her expletive christopher columbus they may even actually that may even be one of the notes in the book i have to look up on that but it's a really nice book this is a fucking it's huge you could beat someone to death with that thing but yeah it's super cool I've, last two nights in a row falling asleep while reading it. it's it's but yeah that's it's it's good. great to be flipping through a copy of little women and there's suddenly up oh, there's a big full color well not not full color full uh big black and white picture of Catherine Hepburn being ah, I'm Catherine Hepburn I'm <laughs> pretending to be 19 <sighs> yeah so Omohide Poro Poro apologies if I got that wrong oh, slash- you got that right that is it that is oh, you cool. did it yeah uh, slash only yesterday is getting a U.S. theatrical release in February. Yeah, this is my housemate Joshin. He's a huge Studio Ghibli fan, but this is his favorite Studio Ghibli movie. Uh, this is not a Miyazaki movie. This is a movie directed by the other guy who did Grave of the Fireflies. Um, this is this is easily Studio Ghibli's most quote unquote boring movie because it's just about a like thirty year old woman going out to the country to kind of rediscover her youth. Um, it's, it, the movie is about this, like, yeah, this, this office worker, she's 30s or 30s or, uh, 30 years old, uh, and like in the mid eighties. And, um, she decides to, on her like two week vacation from work, she decides to go out and like pick vegetables at a farm in the country, like, you know, outside of Tokyo. And that's kind of the whole plot of the story. And while she's doing this, she's also having flashbacks to her like, like 12 year old self about how her 12 year old self used to be so much more like dynamic and ambitious and had all these crazy plans for the future but all you know she's kind of it's melancholy because she, she just wound up becoming this office worker who has not really done anything with her life like she thought she would when she was 12 but it's all about her just kind of coming to terms with like just accepting herself and like how her life is and it, there, there's no reason at all why this had to be an animated film because it there's no crazy there's nothing. There's no crazy fantasy elements where there's like a, like you know like the little girl pretends she's like a flying ace like Snoopy or anything like that. Or there's nothing like with with the adult version of herself like suddenly having a dream where she's like flying or fighting demons or anything like that. It's just it could have been just a very just a very quiet low budget um, live action film. But it's a it's an anime and it's actually kind of int- I I it, I think it's interesting. Just I, animated movies that are don't have that don't necessarily had to be animated i always think is very interesting thing yeah when it's yeah. someone just documenting something that it's you don't even see that much in film much less in cartoons 
So that's getting a theatrical release here in the states. It'll probably play in Very two cool. theaters. It'll play in the. It'll play at the Hollywood Theater, and like somewhere in Tuluska, Alaska, <laughs> and that'll be it. But yeah, so but at least it's coming out. The Good Dinosaurs box office this weekend dropped sixty percent from its debut last weekend. The one of the worst drops for a Pixar movie ever. Yeah, just more just kind of weirdness about how this movie was. You didn't even know this movie was coming out until it came out last weekend, or at least I didn't. I didn't hear anything about this movie. Um, no one heard anything about this movie while it was being made, except for when they first announced it because they were like, "Oh yeah, we got this idea for a dinosaur movie about what happens if uh, the dinosaurs never got extinct. Like, what happens?" And then just a couple months ago, we mentioned on the Boy Howdy podcast before about how at literally just earlier this year, they changed the entire voice cast and the director got replaced and then they were quiet for the whole movie up until like two weeks before the movie came out. And even then had very quiet promotion for this movie. And it seems to be like, like one of the first like Pixar bombs. I kind of just wonder what the hell happened there because it's rare that Pixar would like send a movie to die like this because I've, obviously, they tried to rejigger it, but this is the one time where the rejiggering doesn't seem to have worked and the movie's still bombed. Um, so, I don't know. Just kind of an interesting... I don't know. Especially on the heels of Inside Out, which so many people now consider to be one of the best, if not, like, the best Pixar movie. It's really weird that they had films at both ends of the spectrum there in terms of, like, people liking it and, and actually making money, but I don't know. Carrie and Gary. No, it's Bill. And then he embedded a picture of Carrie Fisher's dog, Gary Fisher. <laughs> Are we calling him Gary Fisher? That's his name. That's his name, full name, Gary Fisher. Yeah. How he is not in the Star Wars movie. <laughs> Maybe he is, Bill. It's going it to be a heartbreaker if we all go to see The Force Awakens. Actually, if that's the worst thing, we could say that Gary Fisher's dog is not in the movie. That'll be a good thing. But that dog is a little space alien of a dog. I love how its tongue is constantly hanging out of its mouth. Um, so I guess this is the dog when she showed up at the, um, Rose City Comic Festival back in September, people kept on talking about how she walked around the convention floor with her dog in hand. I'm assuming this is the dog she had. Um, yeah, did you see the, the Today Show interview with her? I did not. Oh man, it's, it really is. It's not as, the dog aside, the dog is a cute part. But you've got this super skinny blonde lady who's like 25 asking Carrie Fisher about like, what is it like to be older in Hollywood? And Carrie Fisher is just like, she, she'll she start answering truthfully. And she's like, you know what? This is not what you want to hear. This is just, uh, and she makes, she kind of deflects it with a joke after that. But it's kind of this weird combination of like a funny interview and also like melancholy and kind of sad at the same time but it is really interesting to see and they keep on cutting back to the dog just kind of sitting there because the dog gets its own chair at the interview it's not like just on the ground but it's like right there it's like one of the interviewees it's very uh, it's, it's it's very goddamn cute um at the same time that came out on i think it was friday um i found on facebook uh, in promoting the Empire Strikes Back back in the day, someone had created a bunch of 1-800 phone number messages that you could call if you were a Star Wars fan. And if you wanted to get like extra info about what the Empire Strikes Back might be about, you would call up this 1-800 number. And it was like a toll number you, know, you had to pay for. It. That's They were making money off of like this little bit of marketing. And so what they did was they got a couple cast members from The Empire Strikes Back to, like, read, like, a two-minute-long message that you would call up and hear. And, like, every time you called up, you got a different message. And so this guy who wrote and produced these 
little essentially radio shorts that you would call up to hear. Uh, he took the outtakes. He's still alive and he's on Facebook. He took took the outtakes from those uh, phone message recordings and put them on Facebook this week. And uh, he it's it's outtakes in, uh, from uh, Mark Hamill, Harrison uh, not Harrison Ford. It's Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and uh, who's the guy who plays Darth Vader? That guy. That guy. But fucking Carrie Fisher is fucking hilarious. It's 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 great for that Friday was bookended with old Carrie Fisher being super catty. Not even catty, but just being fucking honest about shit. And then, like, her 25-year-old self from, like, 30 years ago, re- like, recording these terrible, terrible advertisements for a 1-800-Empire-Strikes-Back phone line. It's you get to see like how she's been consistently just kind of very like she's a pip. I love that lady. Uh, on the outtakes for this one eight hundred number, she's just she's trying to read this stuff and she's like, she'll get halfway through it. And she's like, this is terrible. Why are you making me re- reread this? She's trying to be as polite as possible. She's like, but this is fucking. I just spent six months reading this shit on set. Now I have to read this now again. Like the <laughs> phone thing. It's just it's just man, Carrie Fisher. I love that lady. Um, I'll me I'll I'll put a link to those uh, outtakes in the show notes. But it, it's 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 good listening, even if you're not a Star Wars fan. If you're just a fan of a lady trying to spout a bunch of science fiction nonsense for a one eight hundred number thing, if that sounds entertaining and her kind of getting all Orson Welles kind of up, kind of like fed up about it, it's 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 very cute. And in conclusion, according to a Nintendo employee, uh, an America employee, who presumably will be fired because they yeah! are not allowed to be on podcasts, I'm shocked by this, appeared on a gaming podcast this week. He, he said uh, there's supposedly some big Nintendo news coming Monday. Yeah, so there, I guess there's a podcast called like the Nintendo World Report, which is kind of like the, one of the big Nintendo fanboy podcasts out there. And they had a guy from Nintendo of America came out and just said something this weekend about some kind of big news happening on Monday. Of course, some people are like, they're going to announce the new system and of course and other people are like you know it might just be like a new smash brothers character what big means here is completely subjective it'll probably be nothing but in case in case it does find out like nintendo's going to take over america's healthcare system you heard about it here first on the boy howdy podcast <laughs> just say you never know um nintendo's gonna like separate from japan and become its own island sovereign nation maybe there we go they said big news that's we'll a pretty good happens. hot take. Um, maybe they're going to build their own real-life Animal Crossing village? Kind of like how Peter Jackson kind of like has that real-life Hobbiton? Oh, my God, that would be amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. If they, like, Just they filled with the... animals and costumes. <laughs> I was going to say, if they should have animatronic animals, but that's even better if you have a cat or if you have, like, a little dog dressed like... Uh, Who's your secretary in, in Animal there's Crossing, a, Isabel? There's a llama in a scarf wandering around every once in a the while. Or she's saddest... a, a giraffe in a scarf. The saddest white dog in a cage by the entrance, like, with a guitar strap to his back. With, like, big black paper shade eyebrows on its face. <laughs> hey, everybody, you heard it here first. Animal yeah, exactly. jail, yeah, animal news. crossing. <laughs> animal abuse crossing. <laughs> hey, everybody, this is the Boy Hattie Podcast, or at Boy Hattie Podcast on Twitter. Boyhattiepodcast.com is our website. Bill can also be found at Tardy to the Party Podcast at is it tardypodcast.com. Thank you. I even tried yeah. to yell that out loud at dinner last night. I still couldn't remember what the <laughs> Tardypodcast.com. Tardy to the Party. Okay, yeah, you did it better than that. <laughs> um, Bill, 
Happy birthday, my friend. Thank you. It's still, today is uh, the birthday of Awada, for who's ahead of Nintendo who died. This is his first birthday you missed. I always feel bad when it's the first birthday that someone who is dead is missing. Because it's kind of super sad, because it's the first time they're on the ground and all their relatives are sad. So, my heart goes out to Awata and his family. Um, but yeah, I had a good birthday. You guys, man, last night was fun. I'm glad you guys all showed up. That was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite part of the world is always my friends. You guys are the best. Yeah. Yeah. All right, pals. We'll talk to y'all next week. Okay. Annie's got to go turn to dust. I got to go cough. Yeah. <laughs> next week will be the last podcast before new Star Wars comes out. Oh, man. Yeah. Jimmy and Connolly and I, we spent a lot of time last night going, holy shit, that's like, because today is Saturday, Sunday and it's the start of a new week, that means we now officially can say, hey, new Star Wars comes out next week. Damn, that's crazy to think about. Right I will at last be able to go online without being worried about learning something I should. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to stick your head in the sand too much longer. So, Okay, we'll shut up and let you guys go. All right, bye, pals. Take care, guys. Bye.